Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bible Escapes in Discussion. Today, I am joined by uh, photographer Zoe Childerly, who is based down on the south coast of England. Good evening, Zoe. Hi, Ian. Hi, everyone. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And before we get on to talking about Zoe's book, Dinosaur Dust, um, it would be great just to get a good introduction to you, Zoe, in terms of your background to photography and, and what really inspires you. Um, okay, I'll keep it, try and keep it brief. Um, <laughs> so um, I work part-time now at uh, Brighton University. Yep. And I've always uh, mostly done some teaching sort of part-time to pay the rent uh, <laughs> make sure it's paid yeah. and um but always had a you know photographic practice running alongside it for the last yep. 15 years or so since i graduated right. um and then i've um i've been really lucky um doing artist residencies so that that's almost what solidified my practice in a way okay yeah I um yeah I did a residency oh yeah 20 nearly 20 years ago now my first one sort of after graduating right in 2002 in Jamaica very um, nice uh, yeah I and I think because and I didn't I didn't even heard of an artist in residence then but yeah. it was just something, something that happened at the time which I won't go into <laughs> but when I realized these things existed I was very excited about the potential to kind of busman's holiday <laughs> uh, <laughs> travel for free and get yep. paid or you know yeah at least you'll get your expenses paid to to make your work so yeah um I think from then I also because I was just always a keen explorer yeah um that that helped me uh form the foundation of how I was working a, a lot of the, not all of the time, but a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and um, and that's also how this how dinosaur dust started with a, was with a residency in California about five years ago. Yeah. So um, yeah, and I think because also I originally studied um, graphic design rather than photography, and then yep. did an MA in photography. So I've always done some drawing, and not that it you see it in dinosaur dust, but in some of my other work. I bring drawing and mapping and text in into projects as well. So uh, it's a it's it's nice to have a bit of a broader scope, um, especially when applying for commissions and things like that. Yes, yeah. To be able to offer offer of a yeah a broader perspective and output for for what people are looking for. So um, yeah. yeah, that's that's a bit of. That's a little bit of background. A bit, bit of the background. So obviously, yeah, you mentioned that uh, yeah, dinosaur dust, which was out was it last year, or the year before. Uh, last year, yeah. Last 20. year, yeah, twenty twenty, uh, through another place press. It obviously started as a residency in California. So what drew you to the the desert in California, and, and really what what made obviously you've talked about the residencies and how much you enjoyed them. Was it was a desert one, one that you were looking to tick off the list, or? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I had had been to um, the American West before, uh, yep. working in um, Colorado and New Mexico. Yeah, but um, but I I came across this opportunity which was in Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah, um, and so I was a little bit familiar, um, and it was a very different landscape, being the desert, and I think I'm just I suppose it's being drawn. I suppose it's quite classic photographer and journalist and that kind of thing being drawn to sort of what you know what um sometimes problematically can be the other or yeah it's yes. sort of a very different a very different life to your own or a different yeah. landscape to your own or a different culture to your own and um 
and so yeah the desert felt especially you know I grew up in England mostly so yep. um it was a um you know almost like the opposite <laughs> so rather than wet and green and uh, very populated it's very dry and uh, hot and unpopulated um yeah. but but it's also it's uh, it's a really fascinating place that particular bit of southern california in the fact that um you know people leave the nearby metropolises um you know la and san francisco and and wider field to come to a place which is more rural obviously yep. less populated but a lot cheaper to live and that's yeah. what draws a lot of creatives so you okay. get a lot of musicians and writers and artists um, yeah the usual reasons yeah so how long did you spend out there? I know, I know you've obviously photographed the, the body of work over quite a period of time. So you, I'm assuming you started with the residency and then was it return visits after that? And how long did you spend out there initially? To Yeah, so I was there for three months initially. Nice. Um, then I think I went back the following year for a month or so. And then I went back in 2000, 2019 <laughs> for another month or so yeah um so yeah there was a bit it was spread out and there's a bit of gaps where other big projects came up and i let yep. the side for a while um but then once i sort of started working with ian at another place press i thought i knew i wanted to sort of feel like i drew the whole thing to a close and it was a excuse to go back and um, <laughs> but and also it's quite a bit of time had passed um and you know politically things had changed quite a lot so yeah i was um so yeah the whole trump thing had happened and and yeah. i felt like i wanted to go back and just see how that area had been affected yeah i, I can imagine yeah particularly politically in america I went through a very big change and and did you find that there was a big change in, in the community that you were documenting or was it um not massive not not yeah. huge, not obviously not not um to the outside of passing through certainly yeah. there was the the area itself, the sort of, I suppose the, the, the area the, of the Mojave that people know the best is the Joshua Tree. Yes. Um, because it's a national park and it, it's it's quite accessible. Yeah. Um, and and it has become more populated and more gentrified because of the, you know all the usual reasons. Yeah. Um, and so you, you I saw some changes with that. But politically, I mean, there was, um, I think, but I don't think in any way that wouldn't be seen across the country in the fact that the the sort of the, the divisiveness is a bit more yeah. noticeable. Yes, yeah. Um, and you do, and it's very liberal California, yeah. mostly. But then, but then, but there's these rural pockets that are conservative. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's. Um, and I think the, the thing I suppose people perhaps that would impact their lives mostly more directly are the environmental concerns. So out there in in the desert, there is um, although it you know perhaps to outsiders or you know people that aren't familiar with the area, um, it d doesn't seem like there's huge amounts of wildlife to preserve but there is it's just not so obvious yeah um, yeah and so there's you know hence there being a national park and and there's lots of conservation areas so one of the sort of the biggest fears and the sort of things people were seeing most directly were some of these uh regulations being rolled back about conservation all ah, right okay yes yeah 
which people are probably very, very concerned about. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, but I, I, I personally, I think it's a, it's a phenomenal body of work. And I know certainly when it came out, it was very, very well received. And it reminds me a lot of it's, it's the stories that I think each of the images tells it's it's it reminds me a bit of a Ragnar Axelson's book Faces of the North when you're looking through and, and every image you see there's there it just comes across that there's a very unique story to be told about it particularly about the people that you photographed and they're they're obviously in this very remote fairly remote community effectively and it's a it's just to understand what what was your I suppose what was the what was your idea and what were you wanting to convey when you started the project in terms of the story that you were looking to get across about the people, the community and, and the landscape as well? Um, well? I suppose when I first went, um, I didn't know, I mean, I've done a little bit of research, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. And I, when I've got this, when I do have the time, um, I'll always uh, just spend, you know, the first month or so, uh, getting to know people and yes. trying to meet as a wider range of people as possible and because I'm the outsider and yeah. um, I don't want to just project my view um, so I want to sort of and just try and understand how people feel about their home yes. and, their, and their land because um, it will never be my my land yeah. Um, yeah. unless I move there now and die there uh, <laughs> but, um, but even, even then it wouldn't be you know yeah. um, so, uh, but yeah, so for even for people, you know, cause there's not that many people that were born and bred there. Yes. But, yep. You know, but there's starting to be more people, the people that have been there for a fair amount of time. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so try and understand what draws people to quite an extreme landscape. Yeah. It's not for everyone. A lot of people don't like it <laughs> at all. I, I, can, I can imagine. Yeah. Think maybe think it's a wonderful idea. And then a couple of years later, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll yeah, give this up. Or some people, you know, they just drive through it very fast between LA and Las Vegas. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and don't stop, you know, because yes, yeah. um, it just looks a bit overwhelming and barren. And yeah. But, um, but so, you, yeah, it's a definite um, uh, Marmite kind of love hate thing. Yeah, it's, it's 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 either for you or it's not. Or or like you said, also yeah, people think that it is for them. It's quite romanticised in some ways, and then actually it's so tough. People, yeah, some people give up. I'm not sure if I would hack it in the long term. To yeah, I did. I love being there, and like I certainly felt I could be there for longer, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure if I could. Actually, do. I think you also you also had the added benefit in that you knew at some point you were going to be leaving. So there's maybe a there's there's kind of the initial love affair with it, and yeah. it's it's all very new. But as you see, I think it does take a particular personality, and it, it's I suppose it's the same in Scotland to a certain extent as well. If you're staying up in the islands or the highlands in very remote small communities, I think it does take a certain certain personality and approach to actually make it work and I think yeah. it's certainly reflected there as well yeah no one of the things I um so from when I first the the gap between when I sort of was first there and then most recently went back I had a couple of years where actually I was working in Scottish borders yep and and, in, and strangely I saw the comparisons because yeah. it was as much as it's 
you know, much greener and <laughs> not, not as warm. <laughs> um, and not as warm. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, but some the, one of the areas I was staying in, it was right on just south of the border. Um, it was again, it was for a residency, but I was 10 miles from the nearest shop. Uh, yeah. where, where I was staying um, and there was big military base nearby which which there is in the Mojave as well yeah. and it was still very there was like quite a lot of grandeur in the landscape but it was very isolated and it was very beautiful but yeah so I it was you know in some ways it's very different but actually it's there is comparison so um, that is something I'm drawn to I think because and the way people that do settle there, whether they live there always or they come to it and just love it and settle, there's something about being more in tune with the lands and and nature yeah. and, and all that kind of thing, which just people settle into different pace and uh, and get different things out of out of life by yeah. through that. Yeah, well, I suppose you're away from the hustle and the bustle of the big city, and and it does. You can slow things down. You you don't have the same yeah. necessarily demands in your time that otherwise you would do, and it, yeah. it becomes a different it becomes a different environment to live in. And did did you through your several visits? Did you were you meeting the same people? Obviously, I know some people would change and come, but were there were there familiar faces that you were able to see and document just how how their lives had maybe changed or adjusted over that over the time? Yeah, I, I definitely kind of kept in touch with some people, made some friends, which is yep. really um, There was um, a really good friend, Hilary, I made, who I went back and stayed with. Um, and actually, the, the guys that ran the residency, I kept in touch with them the whole way. And they, they were really instrumental from the beginning, helping me meet other people in the community. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's a very friendly, like, you know, small towns, communities where once they know what someone's doing, they're like, oh, you must meet so-and-so. And, -so. and <laughs> yeah. uh, it kind of snowballs from there. So, um, and I think between, um, and there were some people I heard about the first time, but I didn't get a chance to meet. So I knew they were on my list. Yes, yeah, your hit list for the yeah. second visit, yeah. That's it. So it was, and it could have gone on. I mean, I even even on the third visit, I was still like, oh no, I haven't got to so-and-so. Um, so, but there were certain things, I think, towards the end, especially when I knew the book was going to happen, yep. where I, I realised I needed a bit of more focus. And um, so there was, so yeah, on the final trip, I knew I, there was um, particularly more women I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. um, I was quite fascinated by the sort of women, particularly women on their own that had gone and restarted their lives in the desert, yep. done up these old cabins and homesteads and uh, very independent uh, sort of strong women uh, it was quite it was very inspiring yeah and so yeah so I knew I wanted to make sure there was that focus in in the final book yeah um and there was a couple of places particularly that I hadn't quite got to or yes yeah I visited I hadn't got the picture I wanted or, or something yeah it's a, it's a bit harder to just pop out uh, when you when you're staying a few thousand miles away and a couple of yeah. plane journeys so obviously the the book followed after, but was there an initial body of work that you created as part of the residency um, output and, and then you then focused the attention on, on the book afterwards? Yeah, yeah, we had a, so the residency was, um, there was four of us, there four of us, five, four of us. Um, and it's a really lovely residency programme. Actually, if anyone is still running, if anyone's interested, yep. um, they uh, they take a group of artists from anywhere in the world every year. Um, 
and there's a small stipend which kind of covers for uh, yeah for someone coming up from abroad it covers your flight maybe and a little bit of car hire or something yes yeah but, um uh, but you get given somewhere to live and depending on what your art form is, you know, a studio to work in, whatever you need. Yep. Um, so at the end of the residency, the group I was with, we all had a, an exhibition together of what we'd been doing. Yep. So, yeah. So we did bring together, even though it felt like very work in progress. And it, um, yep. but, uh, but yeah, so there was certainly something at the end of that initial three months. Yep. Um, and it was very, for me, it was probably... I think I did. Yeah, actually, I'm. I. I just. I. Um. The installation was uh, like maps on a wall and lots of pins and bits of string and things like that of where I'd been and who I'd met and. Yes. I think so. It was very much like a research project in a way. Yeah, uh, and then obviously through your second, third visits, you were then able to focus very much on what you wanted the body of work is supposed to to represent in terms of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there were certain things where, when it, yeah, I think in those times when I had, a, in between, I had a bit more time to think about it. And I was questioning myself, what is it? Why is it? Why do I, why am I drawn to this? Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, and I re- one of the things was I realised that I really love the much more, the feeling of like being on the edge and the quite more visceral sort of living where yes. there's, you can step out of your front door and something could kill you like a snake or yeah. scorpions or even even the cactus aren't very nice you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas in in the uk that doesn't really happen so <laughs> no there's there's not many scorpions kicking around in, no, a, in no. urban in urban uk that's it that's it so it's that kind of much more a bit more brutal a bit yes, more, yep. you feel like you're really alive because you really got to pay attention <laughs> Yeah. what's going on people die every year still in the park by dehydration they get lost there's no uh phone signal yeah and every year people die yeah it puts into perspective the realities that you don't certainly looking looking at the images you it's it's nothing that would ever probably cross most people's minds in terms of the actual the actual dangers of living in the desert um i suppose they all exist and uh yeah it's, it just shows you how uh how even though it's remote as our parts in Scotland, the reality is you're unlikely to suffer from dehydration in most places in the in the UK, maybe bar the odd day or something like that. But uh, but whereas I was in the desert, yeah, it's 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 a constant heat. So I suppose it's a it's a constant challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah, you can go. Um, you know, I think pretty much in the UK, I think. You're never that far from people. Yeah. You know, as long as you're reasonably healthy and fit. Yeah. You probably walk. <laughs> Most places, yeah. Yeah. You would be okay. Find somebody. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you really can be that far away from it from anybody and any kind of facility. So um yep. yeah, and it is just it is harsher. And um, but yeah, but I so I was fascinated by the people that people that are drawn to that and why that and I'm trying to understand why that was um and there's you know i think yeah, for some people it was quite uh some people it was the peace and quiet and okay yeah sort of like we mentioned some people it was a little bit more spiritual and um which goes along with the the peace um the fact that there's no i always remember something somebody saying to me describing the you know the lack of buildings or even trees where as if you you shouted 
there's nowhere for your voice to bounce back from. Yes. Or, and so if you if you project your thoughts, there's nowhere for your thoughts to bounce back from. They go out yeah. into ether, and that's yep. calming. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's quite mesmerising. The the idea it's like a bit like looking out at sea. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Distance. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a fascinating environment to experience and just to and to probably witness as well just how the community how the community operates and I suppose they must all to a certain extent work together to to maintain the community and maintain the spirit that uh, that they've got out there. Yeah, there's yeah there's a really strong community. I mean, it's all people are spread out. It's over huge yeah. distance. It is, yeah. Um, but there's pockets though. Those pockets that are, yeah, that do have a very strong community feel. Yeah. Um, it's particularly with the music. Um, okay. So yeah. There's um there's a lot of history. There's a venue called Pappy and Harriet's in a, a little village kind of place called Pioneer Town. Right. Uh, which was, it is a kind of town now. It is a town. I don't. I'll, I'll offend somebody now. <laughs> But um, but it was built as a, a set for the for westerns in the forties, I think. Okay. So it wasn't originally a proper town; it was just a set. But yep. because it was used over such a long period of time, there was more and more infrastructure put in to support the crew and cast, yeah. the filming. Uh, and then when they stopped, people just moved in to it. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's got this strange, it does look like you step into the old Wild West of like the 19th century. Um, and then because of that, obviously tourists come and that, and then there's this bar called Pappy and Harriet's that's got this cult following of musicians from all over the world. Like Paul McCartney played there a few years ago. Oh, cool. People come from all over the world to play at Pappy and Harriet's. Yeah. And then people come to watch whoever's playing. So yeah. it's uh, in this kind of, kind of make-believe kind of world <laughs> Yeah. Even that's good, you know, because again, even you know, it's still been there now for a long time in its current state. So that's developed its own community in itself. Yeah, quite quite interesting. And so once once uh, you became involved with Ian and the book kind of came about, at that point, did your did your focus on the work that you were producing or what you wanted to document for the book relative to what you documented for the exhibition? Did 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 you take a different approach with with the work? I think it just made me make some decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, sort of, I could have gone in various directions. Um, yeah. When I first, actually, the, as part of the first trip, I spent quite a bit of time with a family on a ranch. Um, and I did get um, an article published with the work um, in Independent when it was still yeah. a, a physical paper. Yeah. Um, so that's how long ago it was. Um in their magazine and that was um because it was you, know, you don't thinking of you don't think of people no i suppose for people that aren't familiar with the area um or the american west you don't even think of there being like cowboys and ranches and stuff out in the desert because you, you're like well it how do they live like yeah. but, but there is there is enough um scrub and uh sort of there isn't there is enough basically. Yeah. Um, it's obviously quite tough. Um there is a history of, of of ranching out there as well. Um and there was a family who were really generous and let me spend time and with them and sort of seeing how they all operates. And um so that could have been a whole very kind of specific thing in itself. Yeah. Um 
so there was, and there were other examples of that where um, different yeah. people met, um, different sort of bits of the community. And I, yeah, and when I realised I had to make a decision, I think that's where it came back down to a bit of the focus on the women and a bit of focus on that people interacting with nature that feels a little bit dangerous <laughs> or yes. a little bit yeah. more edgy. Uh, because yeah. that's the thing that grabbed me the most. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And I suppose at least that way, then, then once you've made the decision, it gives you the focus for, for the work that you need to produce to to, to create the body of work really for yeah. the book. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, was, I could have just gone forever. <laughs> well, that that's it. And I think with, with some of these things as well, it's always nice, while you might not want it, it's always nice to maybe bring a project to a close because otherwise it does feel as though it could be something that's maybe never ending. And it's... Uh, it, the book really beautifully brings together the whole the whole body of work and 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 all your experiences out there really nicely and i think it, it gets across the story that you you want to tell about the women out there and about yeah you know, people's experiences with the with the dangerous side of uh, of living in the desert which uh, who'd be who'd be amazed that there are so many dangerous aspects to it um, <coughs> but are there are there any particular images in the book that wouldn't say favourites, but maybe have particular meaning to you or or, or a certain connection. Um, let me have a little look. <laughs> and, um, um, I suppose there's, you know, you're editing from such a large. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like you spend so much time, and then you realise you realise you're not you're so subjective. And I actually I was very lucky to have help of a a group of other photographers that we meet regularly Very good. Um, that help that help me with uh, edits along the way, along the way. Yeah. um so um well, i suppose something's one of the images that um which is one of the first ones in the book that epitomizes some of the things we just mentioned was the the sort of the snake the tattoo the snake neck tattoo on the neck yes yeah um and that's uh the woman in the picture, not she'd be recognisable from anybody, but yeah. people that know her very well, obviously, um, that is Danielle. And she, she, I met her, she was the one of the people I sort of made a note I wanted to try and meet on the final trip. Um, and she is a snake relocator. Um, so she, she loves snakes and reptiles. And because they are a problem out in the desert, and um, people obviously frightened of them yep. as well. But um, so she does a runs a voluntary program where people can call her. They spot a snake on their property, and she'll come and move it for them. So nobody right. kills it or yeah. nobody gets bitten, basically. Very good. Um, and then if also the snake's injured, she takes them home and rehabilitates them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and things like that. So so she has her own pet snakes and reptiles, and uh, but yeah, she but she just loves it and uh, does this all completely voluntarily. Um, and uh but yeah so she yeah she was an amazing character uh, yeah again a young woman that uh you know moved i think she she had, i think she had did have some family there but she had she'd moved out uh moved, on her moving own. back yeah um yeah and then i think when i, I did look, i did an interview with her and and we took loads of pictures with the snakes and different things but i just i just love this one yeah i think it was a it's um because i was looking at her tattoos and um, when I was looking through the edits afterwards, I just realised that this reminded me of the, uh, if you know, the um, Man Ray image, it was quite a surreal image from Man Ray from the right. 
with them at twenties or thirties, I guess. So I kind of I like the I like the surrealness and the abstraction of it, where you're not perhaps you're not hundred percent sure what you're looking at. And yes, yeah, yeah, or or exactly where about the the tattoo might be, sort of thing. It's it, yeah. it leaves a bit of it leaves a bit for the imagination to try and work itself which is always quite nice as opposed to necessarily being shown exactly what something is actually to let the mind think for itself is is a lovely is a lovely way to be able to present work yeah um so yeah so that's definitely something that's always stood out it's like i think right from as soon as i was looking at the book edit i knew i wanted to have it in there somewhere um there's I'm just having a look now, Pull back three. Um, there's something about, there's, I suppose there's a, some things, one that people tend to like, or actually not everybody, because some people find it a bit gross, I suppose, but but people that aren't too squeamish like the um, the moths, the dead moths on the sunglasses picture. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think, again, and I suppose it's that ambiguity that also makes it a strong image that, you're perhaps not 100 percent sure what you're looking at yeah it's a um but because there's um obviously all these insects <laughs> and because but there are people living there now so they have their lights on at night and everything yep. and so in the morning you go out onto the porch and there's often dead insects kind of everywhere, everywhere. yeah <laughs> and so I, it was just what um i was staying with my friend one time and I was just sweeping up insects on the porch <laughs> in the morning and I was using the new, the newspaper that she had to hand yep. and I realised there was this advert by for Prada sunglasses on the back of the newspaper. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. So yeah, yeah so I just put it down and took some pictures. But it's kind of, it speaks to a bit of the American dream kind of thing. Yes, and, yeah, um, yeah. The, the glossy magazine in the, in the harsh reality of the insect-covered yeah. desert. That's it. That's it. Um, and I suppose the other one that's a little bit like that, as in it's a picture on a picture or it's a kind of things on a picture is the, uh, I don't, don't know if people will even, most people perhaps even know what it was, but there's like the gold cubes on the back of the uh, hair, a uh, black and white picture of All right. long hair. And they're like little golden cubes. Okay. They're um they're fool's gold. They're called it's well the mineral is called pyrite. Yeah. Um, and but it's called the it, oh, yeah, it, yeah. name is fool's gold. And mm-hmm. there was a um there was a lot of mining in the area over the years. Well, particularly obviously the sort of late nineteenth century when the gold rush and everything. Yeah. And, um, and I and I I think I I did probably a lot of re well I did some research um around that sort of the history of that not knowing if that would end up being a, a strand that I followed. And it wasn't really, I suppose, I did go and visit some old mining sites, but, um, and there are sort of, there are newer, obviously there isn't much gold there anymore, but um, yeah. there are new other things being mined. Okay. Um, links to some of the kind of environmental, you know, exploitation of the land kind of yes. issue. Um, also the woman in the picture is a Native American woman. There's a, there's, there's a, reservation and people well she wasn't living on the reservation but yeah uh, there are um like everywhere in america that yeah there are obviously native american tribes there yeah um and um and i think it was one of those things where i always i was looking 
perhaps more conceptually for the connection to mining. And I think people often go out in search of something. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps not literal gold anymore. Yeah. It's in still kind of find themselves or find peace or find some something. Yes. They think that kind of environment. And we all can, we all do it, obviously not just there, but you know, that idea of kind of go, going, moving, starting life again in searching for something that's yeah. going to maybe provide meaning or significance. Um, to them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was all, it was a kind of, that was a bit of convoluted, but um, that was sort of the story. Not that anyone else would know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's it, but it, it, it gives a bit of story to, to some images that people that, that you remember for yourself as well. And I can, I can imagine that you must have had quite a body of work when it came to having to decide what was into the book. So how, how did you approach it? Did you have a first go at it yourself, then speak to friends or did you ever go speak to Ian or how, how did you approach it? Cause I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure you were probably quite, quite keen on certain images to make it into the book and and just to see how you how you thought the sequence should flow yeah it was definitely all of those things <laughs> um it was definitely some things i had to like very sadly let go but that's yeah. why you have to ask other people isn't it because we Absolutely. just yeah yeah you, you, you have an emotional connection to yeah. the work and to maybe specific people or specific locations that others don't yeah absolutely so I think you know I I spent quite a lot of time <laughs> getting it down and down to a reasonable amount, <laughs> so you're not asking someone else to look at ridiculous amount. Of um, but yeah, yeah. And then like I said, I um, have this um, group that I'm, uh, called Archives and Editions that we meet regularly and help each other with things like this. Like Very with good. Editing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so several times over the course over the course of the project, I kind of came back with edits when I when I knew kind of how much I needed to get it down and then I knew a bit more about format and um, yep. yeah. And then towards the end, Ian as well. Yeah. He yeah. was really helpful. Um, just nailing that last little bit of. Yeah. I think, I think as you see, when you talk about the group that you're part of, I think it really helps when you've got people that you can go to who you trust to give an honest, but not a family opinion, which is, yeah. yeah, this looks great. And you think, right, that's no use. I've got 300 images here and 80 to date it down to 30. Saying that's great really doesn't improve it at all. Um, yeah. So actually, yeah, to have people who who not only can give you an honest, critical opinion, but you actually value their opinion and, and they know what, they've maybe got an understanding of what you're looking at and the story that you're trying to get across. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's something that comes, you know, comes up in teaching um, all the time. And I always saying to students, you've got to show your work to other people. And even when the university experience finishes, you've got to find a way to keep having a peer group like me, you know, for those of you that carry on, you know, meet together. And it's just invaluable. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, having people you trust, not just your mum going, it's great. Yeah, I know that's it. Because if she doesn't say it's great, you know you're in serious trouble at that point, to be honest. But yeah, but I think sequencing and collating a body of work is probably one of the most challenging points. Because as you say, particularly when it's something you're working over a long period of time, you've maybe got images at the start that you you see them so often that you become attached to them and they form part of, right, this has to be in. And then as you begin to take other images, they maybe don't knock those other ones out. So actually you have your favourites and 
as I've said, as, as I discussed with a lot of guests, it's, it's the challenge of saying goodbye to the real favorite that you really are trying to justify his existence within this book or whatever it is you're doing. But you know in your heart that, yes, it's got to be done away with it. So. That's it. Yeah, it's tough. But yeah, you, got, you need to have people that you know will be brutal, brutally yeah. honest. That that yeah, in the possible way. Yeah, and and it's it's yeah, it's it's the they can see how the flow of images works, not just the images themselves, but then also how, how the colours work or the tones depend on what it is you're looking at. So it, it works nicely. And you've obviously got the added benefit of having Ian as well, who yeah, he was great. Yeah, who's got yeah. very, very... Got all, he brings all his experience, publishing experience, and working with different photographers and yeah. sequencing and yeah he brings that and a, and a very objective view so um yeah it, he was a joy to work with I'm yeah says that. I've no no one no one has said a bad thing about you okay. I have to say and yeah I, I I think the work that he the work that he produces um the books that he produces are really it's a phenomenal phenomenal board, phenomenal collection yeah no amazing and just the fact that he does it pretty much by himself and yeah, yeah what is very impressive and yeah, and his passion for it, and that he's found a in this in this day and age, you know, he's found a business model. I know it's not going to make his fortune, but um, that that he can, um, you know, he's developed a you know an audience that he <clears throat> he can take the risk that he's going to sell a certain amount of books. Yeah. Um, he's found a way to make them that he's happy enough with the quality, but they're not having to print huge numbers. Yeah, um, yeah he's. He's done amazing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, th I think the products that he's got, the variety between the field notes, zine yeah. format, which he just seems to be churning them out <laughs> three, three at a time every, it seems every few weeks at times, to be honest. You're, you've just ordered some and there's another pre-order for the next bundle and you think, oh my goodness, here we go. But yeah, at the same time, the slightly bigger format, likes of Dinosaur Dust and obviously he's done work with the likes of graveyard bins with Al Bryden and things like that as well, which, yeah, yeah it's the, there and John Irvin and, and so, so many names, but they all bring something totally different and they just, mm -hmm. they all very similar, I suppose, maybe not similar styles, but yeah, I suppose it's a, a documentary style of photography to it. But again, each one is so very much unique and just brings something a wee bit different that appeals to his different audience. And I think he's got very much a captive and an engaged audience from people who enjoy seeing the work that uh, yeah. the work that, that the photographers produce, including obviously including yourself. And it's yeah. so nice that he'll take the risk with people that haven't particularly got a big name and yeah. you know, so because it's so rare now that people aren't being asked to put out the money themselves and so that he'll you know he's supporting you know independent photography that's that's yeah I, I, absolutely I, as you say the the world of I think self-publishing now has become is beginning to grow and grow and grow as it maybe becomes a bit easier for people to do it yet yeah you're maybe seeing fewer and fewer certainly the big big scale published books which are now very expensive and to do it at probably decent economy you need to be selling a lot of copies which i think for most people it's easier said than done when um your your mum your mum will always buy a copy but then <laughs> after that you you do need a very engaged following to to shift a lot to shift a lot of copies of the book yeah, but yeah. did you? But was the did you enjoy the process of going through making the making the book with Ian? Was that 
I'm assuming it was a must must have been a very rewarding experience just to learn from it the whole process. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and yeah, Ian makes it easy. Like he's you know he's just got a lot of experience now. Yeah, um, and I suppose it was the first time I've done something where I wasn't a bit more in control, and so I was a bit nervous of not seeing being there on press and seeing yep. proof hard proofs. But I just had to trust. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I suppose I suppose for being your first, for being maybe the first time when you're not in that level of control, at least you've got someone who, yeah, who has that control being there and ensuring that uh, what he wants is what is what is coming out. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's definitely paid off. It's uh, yeah, a, a lovely, lo- lovely body of work. And obviously, the podcast is all about books always an interesting part and generally the section that most people prepare for what are your favorite photo books on your own shelves i must admit i didn't spend a lot of time preparing i just remembered just before we started that, that's fine yep yeah, so i just went, oh uh, so i mostly pick things that are more recent yeah that's absolutely yeah so i would t- i'll start off with something and i'll show you even though everybody else can't see but i'll yep. show you anyway so i started off with something quite different from my work. Uh, I don't know if you recognise it. It's nope. Zanelli Maholi. Right. Um, it was the last show I got to see before lockdown. It's at Tate Modern. And so if anybody uh, is able to get there when it reopens, hopefully in May. No, is it May? Yeah, I think it's yeah, May. May. Um, it will still be up because they extended it. Uh, and it's an amazing retrospective of their work. And... Um, they're a South African photographer. Um, it's mostly uh, well, it's all portraiture and a lot of self-portraiture okay. about uh, LGBTQ uh, plus community in yep. Africa um, and using themselves as a uh, as a subject a lot of the time. Uh, but incredibly, incredibly powerful, but but simple. And so I, it's something I show to the students a lot. Yeah, okay. they're interested in self-portraiture because it's it's not high production yeah they're, they're quite simple but, in, but incredibly powerful so that was um so i'm just holding it up like everybody can see so, <laughs> so this is a it's a kind of like a almost like a newspaper style publication all right okay that was accompanied the exhibition uh zanelli had in uh autograph gallery maybe a couple of years ago but it's a very similar show to the what's in the tape all right okay I'll take a wee look. Yeah, so I'd definitely, if you get to London and, or, you know, and I'm not, it's possibly something that's touring as well, because it's, uh, they're international and it's, um, it's a massive retrospective. So it's the sort of thing that would tour. Closed, yeah, closed until, it's, uh, yeah, closed until, or on until the end of May, it's on until, by the looks of things, once it reopens again. So, yeah. Looks interesting. um, So then, quite, different um and um is uh, the canary and the hammer um which i don't know if you're familiar nope. it's lisa barnard and i um she did a great talk for our students um a few weeks ago so it was on my mind and i was um i've had it for a little while and i was looking at it again recently because of her coming to do a lecture uh she runs the ma in um in wales is it, do they go? I think they, do they, I think maybe they don't call it Newport anymore. Right, okay. <laughs> South Wales University. South Wales, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm, she's so impressive, her output. It's almost like every project is a PhD. That's what I always all think. All right, Jeeves. Incredible. And, the, and then the canary in the hammer is all about the history of gold and our relationship with the gold and its value. Yeah. And it, it's incredible. Um, and so just the levels of research and traveling all around the world. Yeah. Um, from, you know, the history of mining um, in Chile to, you know, very contemporary, like things that are in our electronics and the way yes. they yeah. mine now. And yeah, it's, it's just quite incredible. That's, yeah. Quite, quite. The, it's the research that goes into things like that. It's really, because yeah. you need to get it right. You, yeah, there's, there's no real mar- margin of error sort of thing. Excuse me. Um, so that was, yeah. So I, I, I think I suppose I was thinking about things that are quite, I like for different reasons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then m- most recent, I haven't even looked, pro- well, I've flicked through, but I haven't read it properly yet, uh, is uh, Knit Club by Carolyn Drake. You perhaps know she's more of a documentary person. I've heard of the name, but I've not, I've not seen the Knit Club. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I love her. Again, she's somebody that works, it comes from more of a, traditional documentary background in a way but yeah. as she's like working in different communities long term and often quite a collaborative way so she'll take images with the community and then like take the images back to them and they'll cut them up and make collages or write on all right them. okay yeah, yeah. Hmm. um but this this book was made she's she's american but she'd spent a lot of time in asia um okay there's a oh i'm, I'm not going to remember them now but she's her other books that are well-known and long sold out and yep. i think i always uh, wish i'd bought some of her old books <laughs> and i never made it in time so i was like when she, i'd heard she's doing this i was like right i'm gonna see if i can get it in time like yeah. well, I can afford it yeah um, and this is when she's moved back to the states and she spent some time in this with a small town i think i want to say mississippi but i might be remembering that wrong but certainly a rural area in the south okay um, yeah. and it was with a group of women hence the name that are brought together by working i don't necessarily knitting literally but i think yeah. with textiles and yeah craft. all right ah. but um but it's quite a eccentric kind of group that uh have become a social community okay and again sort of quite collaborative so she's making work kind of rather with them rather than of them i suppose yes yeah um and again mm. i just i like that kind of I think that's always the way, I, the goal I have, I suppose. And, I'll, and I'd like to think I've done it in a little way. I haven't spent as much time as she have, but I did, yes. I did spend quite a lot of time with some people and talked about how they wanted to be photographed and things like that, which I felt was important rather than me coming in and yeah. images of people yeah. rather than making images yeah. with people. Yeah, I think it, I think it gives a, a I think that also it gives a different dimension to it as well because yeah you, you they're kind of presenting themselves in terms of how they maybe see themselves as well within the within yeah. as a, as opposed to just being photographed in whatever pose you've maybe just happened to press the shutter. Yeah. And also then people come up with their own ideas when I mean some yeah. are more interested than others but once I explain what I'm doing or and why I'm interested um, and I'd say, oh, are you up for being, doing something with me? And and then I'd say, oh, what do you think? You know, how yeah. you know, how should we do this picture? And uh, and often they'll come up with things that I wouldn't have thought of. So, yes. 
um, yeah, so that's that's really nice. Um, so uh, this one, it's different again. You probably will know this one. This is Scotland. So uh, a voice above the limb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is definitely again, it's a new one, um, and yeah, it's just I think it's really beautiful um, and in a very quiet and gentle way of a very particular place and I think it's quite yep. rare to do that well yes because it's it's of a garden uh it's about it's sorry it's Robbie Lawrence uh, a voice above the Lynn and it's of a garden and it's of, of a, a botanical garden um called the is it called the Lynn I, I can't remember now exactly um but that was uh owned yeah by, is it Lynn Gardens I think it is yeah yeah it was owned by a particular family for a long, obviously quite a long period of time when they built up the garden. And the guy now, I think he might have passed away now actually, the gold guy that is, is in Robbie's book, um, his son died several years ago and went on, uh, when he was out traveling, trying to collect seeds for the garden in far off hey. places. Um, and so it's kind of a, a tribute to him in a way and so I suppose the place has become a um oh, I don't say homage but like there's um it's kept, you know his father kept it going and it's obviously there's certain parts of the garden that yes. are very poignant because of the memory of his yeah. son I've I've visited it it's down in the it's down um, in the is it down in the borders Think, yeah, Argyle area or so maybe not. Yeah, I think it's maybe down, yeah, Argyle. I, I'm sure I've definitely visited it. It rings a bell anyway. Oh, it's right by where they have the nuclear. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, up Helensburg. Yeah, I know up that way. Yeah. I can't remember what the lock's called, but yeah, where the famous trident. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, so it's an amazing place anyway, because you've got the backdrop of the of the lock and the sort of the military kind of activity. Yes. Um, but then you've got this kind of botanical and sometimes tropical looking garden and this sort of wizened old man that um, he's, he's kind of featured through it, but it's it doesn't feel like about him or yep. it's, it's just really, again, it's, um, it's its own visual language yeah. that's, that's really uh, unique and yep rare to kind of see like oh it's, i haven't seen something quite like that before yes and yep. it's just this garden in scotland yeah uh, so yeah i think there's something really special quite yeah quite powerful as well yeah um and then my last one is something completely different is uh stephen, stephen Gill's Gill. Killer. yeah and it's just because it's so it's it's such a simple thing but he's just managed to do a such a fantastic job yeah it's not it's not one i've got but it's it's on one of my many many lists yet to yeah get, yeah um so for anyone that doesn't know he moved to sweden I and mean, he's a prolific, prolific <laughs> bookmaker anyway yeah yeah no shortage uh, of books yeah he's got his own sort of imprint hasn't he um yeah. no is it nobody books i think maybe i think so um so yes, nobody books. He moved to Sweden, a rural Sweden, and a farm, I think. Um, and he set up a like a sensor a trap cam type sensor camera. I don't know how he did it exactly, but one of those um, motion sensor yep. cameras on a um, 
sort of a pillar, fence post type pillar, which was next to another fence type <laughs> post type That's pillar, um, which but for some reason birds frequently land. I think it's a really flat landscape and there's not many places to land that are above ground level. Yeah. And so it's as birds are passing through the area, they frequently land there. And there's just this um, unbelievable array yeah, <laughs> in quite a kind of bland landscape in a way, because it's very flat, agricultural landscape. Yeah, there's no re- there's no redeeming features of the landscape. Yeah. It's you you wouldn't if it wasn't for the post and the birds, you wouldn't be buying the, the yeah, yeah, I know it's incredible. <laughs> it's just the the, dip, the variety is <clears throat> amazing. Yeah. Um, it, it shows you how how many different birds go to one one can potentially go to one yeah. area that, or to one fence post yeah it is phenomenal so yeah so i kind of yeah so i i sort of tried to pick things that are all quite yeah quite a, a lovely selection there um a couple and a couple i know a couple I'll, I'll certainly be taking a look at um i've got a few weeks head start before i share this with anyone so generally <laughs> if there's anything i'm looking to get I, particularly the ones that are hard to find I've got a bit of a chance to try and pick it up before before anyone else listens to it and then all of a sudden starts buying up the spare copies as well. So it's been lovely chatting to you. What are your plans for the future? Are you working on any projects at the moment? And Um, obviously we've been somewhat restricted in the last 12 months, but um, I know I think like everybody, I've been um, taking the time to go back through archive and scanning and organizing which i've been yeah it's been on the long list yes to do so i've been doing a bit of that um i've just put a an arts council bid in yep so uh who who knows knows. uh but yeah i'm not holding my breath but i'm kind of crossing my fingers though um so we'll see um and yeah no i think um i think there was i definitely feel like uh I you know, trying to make sure I use the time. I'm sure, like, I, like, yeah, yeah, I know. So like those things that I always should have done or should have got to, which is mostly organizing. Yeah. Um, I just uh I was saying to someone today actually that I'd I um I've never got around to sorting out things into picture libraries properly, which is silly, really. And so that's I've just started doing that. Um very good. Yeah. Trying to think about and yeah, and in these hard times when work dries up, you know, potential income streams, you know, we've all changed yep. work. So, um, yeah, so like, so yeah, actually, one of the things I did was somebody taught me through, because uh, I do, like a lot of people, have loads of old negs that are not really um, doing much. And um, I realized that actually, in the years that I've been gone digital and not really done and dealt with film a lot, um, I've, I hadn't realised that there's this new DSLR scanning thing that's become popular. All right. You know this? No. Nope. It, it was all new to me um, because there's the way someone explained it to me was because um, technology has been invested in sensors rather than scanners. Yep. You can now uh, very easily set up if you've got a decent DSLR, full frame DSLR. Yeah, um, and a good macro lens. You can take just make just as good a digital copy of your old neg than a scanner. Scanner will do, right. and it's like in a fraction of the time. So yeah. I don't know if you do much neg scanning, but my God, it's slow. 
<laughs> so in what could take you know on a really high end like neg scanner take like 20 minutes but you can do in you know 60th of a second you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um so i have so i have done i've been starting to do that and figured out how to set it up and yeah get it get it get it up precisely so that yeah you can then just rattle through a whole a whole selection very quickly yeah so that's been a bit of a mission yeah oh it's always nice to have a challenge or something to do and it's it's just to stop the the key i always find with these things is to stop procrastinating and actually just get down to doing it but that's that's always easier said than done unfortunately well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you zoe thank you very much for giving up your time it's been wonderful to hear uh, to hear a bit more insight to dinosaur dust and to and to hear what inspires you as well as a photographer so thanks very much for your time thank you it's been lovely to chat and uh, lovely to meet you thanks very much